the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you have a Bible, will you turn to Philippians chapter 2? We're going to be reading verses 12 to 18. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have it printed on our bulletin this morning. So make sure that you grab one of those. We're continuing our series on Philippians. We're calling Nurturing the Christian Mind. Uh, This series is based on uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. And it's about developing a Christian worldview, how to think like a Christian. And in, in these verses, we get a glimpse of how the great apostle himself uh, taught and encouraged and admonished the church then and now as to how we should see the world, our lives, our circumstances from the standpoint of the Christian faith. So he writes, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Today's message is entitled, A Discerning Mind. And let me say in the outset that uh, this is not the same uh, discernment message uh, uh, found in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to, to 11, where it talks about the, the gift, the spiritual gift of discernment. Uh, This is not what this message is all about. That's a sermon for another day. We are going to talk about discernment in terms of what our mindset should be when we are engaging life uh, from the standpoint of ministering to God and ministering to each other and to the world at large. How do we train our minds to think and respond in four areas of our life? Four areas this morning, okay? In the area of problems. How should we have, a, how should we discern uh, the spiritual problems that we face? No one will ever grow spiritually without having some type of spiritual struggles, some type of problems. And I'm, I'm talking about spiritual problems Uh, more specifically because, you know, we have all kinds of problems that we face. And many of them are rooted in spiritual problems. But spiritual problems are a lot harder to deal with 
uh, than, let's say, physical problems. You know, when, when you have a backache, you can uh, go to the root problem, right? Maybe you had an accident or maybe you overexerted yourself. So you can find the root cause. Okay, when you talk about relational problems, you, you usually uh, like some people and you don't like some people just based on what you see in them or what they've done to you. So, you know, you can identify those things. And, uh, and of course, there are, you know, emotional problems. You know, when you get angry, you can usually find the root cause of why you get angry so much or why you are fearful so much or why you get emotional on certain uh, aspects of, of your life. And these things... Um, Y you know, you and I can at least find the root cause immediately, and they're a, a lot easier to handle because, you know, we can identify them. But spiritual problems have deeper roots in the inside of us because we're all fallen people. And that, that the, 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 the deeply rooted things that we have in our lives are a cause of our fallen nature because we are tainted with sin. So... Paul is going to talk about how to have a discerning mind when it comes to dealing with, with problems in life. He's also going to talk about how to discern the purpose that we have. What is our main purpose in life? Okay? Uh, and then he's going to talk about how to deal with people. How to discern how to relate to people. And finally, how do we discern the proper perspective? in life, how to have a proper perspective in life. So in this letter, uh, Paul gives us some insights as, uh, you know, on what a discerning mind focuses on when it comes to these four areas of engagement in life. Number one, we have four points this morning, okay, so hold on to your seat, put on your seatbelt. Number one, a discerning mind focuses on Problem solving. That's the first point in your outline this morning. A discerning mind focuses on problem solving, solving problems, spiritual problems particularly. Look at verse 12 again. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now, now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let me say in the outset that this verse is not saying we should work for our salvation. I always have to make this clear because this verse has been uh, misunderstood by so many people to mean that, you know, we have to work good deeds in order for us to be saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says we are saved by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay, that is the message of salvation. So when Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he's not talking about getting saved so that, you, you know, he's not talking about getting saved because we're doing good deeds. All right, I want to make that very, very clear. Uh, good works, good deeds uh, uh, is not a requirement or a prerequisite for salvation. Good deeds and good works are products and results of salvation. So I, I hope that I made that very clear because 
you know, the last thing I want is people saying, hey, when your pastor just told us that we need to do good things or good deeds in order for us to be saved. No, it's the other way around. Once you get saved, once you become a Christian, then the good deeds will come as a natural fruit of your salvation. So when, when Paul says, work out your salvation, the word salvation, he's not using a theological term. He's using a practical term. He's not using the word salvation to mean, you know, your salvation in Christ. He's talking about salvation in terms of solutions. He says, work out solutions to your spiritual problems. That's very important. You know, we need to, we need to grasp that. This is a term that Paul uses to say to the Christians at Philippi, now that you have obeyed, now that you know you are in Christ, now that you know how to humble yourself and have the mind of Christ, continue in that mode. Take it to the next level and begin to resolve the issues that you face in life as Christians. Not as pagans, not as non-believers, but as Christians. Work out your solutions. The word salvation there is resolution. Work it out. The word is kartegomazai, which means to bring to an end. Bring to a resolution. Put an end. He's saying, resolve the issues that you still have. And I think this is very important because so many of us think that, that once we become Christians, that everything is a walk in the park. It's fine and dandy. No. Our spiritual walk will always be challenged by the devil, the world, and the flesh. That's a fact. And Paul is saying, now that you have, have been given this new life, now you have the power by the Spirit and by the grace of God to resolve the issues that you face. And all of us in this room, at one point or another, have issues that we're dealing with spiritually. Amen? I mean, we're, we're, we're born again, blood-bought, redeemed people. But Paul is saying... No, there's, there's some problems within the church. And it, it's twofold. The problem is internal to each and every Christian, and it spills out to the rest of the body. And consequently, the testimony of your life is seen in the world out there as disjointed. So he, he's got some, some big agenda to deal with here in terms of dealing with individual Christians and dealing with the church so that we have a unified, harmonized testimony. He says, resolve your problems. Find the solution. Seek deliverance from the issues you're facing. One of the primary reasons that Paul wrote this letter was because there was a conflict at the church in Philippi. There were two very important women leaders, church leaders in Philippi that were fighting. Their name is Yoda and Syntyche. We will talk about them when we get to, to chapter 4. And Paul wrote this letter to address the fact that, hey, you're having problems within the church because you're having problems dealing with your internal spiritual struggles. Remember, you already know how to obey Jesus. You already, know how, you already have the mind of Christ. You already know how to humble yourself. Now, take it to the next level and deal with specific spiritual struggles that you face. And that's true for them, and that's true for us today. We face a lot of pressure just as the Philippians faced during that time. There's nothing much that has changed. Christians today feel the same pressures as the early Christians did. We, I, I, I'm just so happy 
and glad and blessed that I live in America where we're still not yet at a level of persecution that some other Christians are dealing with in other parts of the world. And you ought to be thankful for that every day of your life. We can, I can still talk right here. It's probably not going to last very long. They're probably going to go haul me to jail at some point. But for now, I'm grateful because we still have freedom to proclaim the message, the good news of the scriptures. And so Paul is saying, you know, you already pre- uh, you're facing pressure from the outside. You're facing pressure from within the church. And you're facing pressure from within you. And you know what? You need to resolve that. Work out. The word work out there means find a resolution. Before you can deal with the problems of other believers and the people outside the church, you have to deal with your own personal spiritual struggles. That's the teaching on this set of verses. It echoes the words of Jesus when he says, before you can remove the speck of dust from another person's eye, you have to remove that telephone pole that you have in your own eye, okay? So he's not talking about something that Jesus never taught. He's saying to the Christians, deal with your spiritual struggles. We need to ask ourselves this morning the question, what is stifling your growth as a follower of Jesus? What struggles are we going through right now that's not only uh, hurting your joy and growth, but also keeps you from having a great relationship, especially a personal interaction and engagement with God and, of course, your relationship among God's people and people outside the church. What, what, what sort of struggles uh, uh, do, do you have? Is there a habit in there that needed to be uh, exercised? <laughs> I don't know how to, what other words to use. Is there some kind of a root of bitterness in there that's stifling your, your, your joy, your gladness to engage God in, in, a, in a one-to-one level wherein you're just into the Lord uh, because you have a, like a free line of communication with Him? I mean, there's a lot of things that, that, that can be stored in the inside of us. That's why Paul always says, crucify yourselves daily because there are things that will pop up. You know, memories from, from a long time ago that, that, that still brings its ugly head and, 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 and tries to bring you down. Paul says, work them out. Find the solution. Make sure that you deal with it. Because that's, that's going to, to, to impact everything else that you do while you're engaging in worship with God and you're engaging in fellowship with other people and when you're testifying to those who are outside. And he says, take it seriously. Take it personally and take it seriously. That's what it means to do it with fear and trembling. Don't set it aside. Don't make excuses for, for those issues that, that, that you face. Okay, I, I, I can get to a whole bunch of examples, but it's sufficient to say that Paul is, is admonishing them and encouraging them to work out solutions to the issues that you face. Regardless of what the issues are and the problems are, whether it's fear, anger, strife, immorality of all kinds, and Paul already alluded to them in the, to them in the previous verses, we need to resolve them 
with a great sense of fear of God and seriously deal with them. And how, how, how do I do that? Um, Paul gave this directive to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.7. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. The only way we can resolve the issues that we face is to train ourselves to be godly. Paul says to Timothy, you know what? You're going to have to abandon a lot of stuff that, that have influenced you out there in the world. And you're going to have to get some training in godliness. Solving our problems begins with our obedience to training ourselves to be godly. And it begins with how we think, with the way we think. We need to avoid godlessness by thinking and meditating on the word of Christ. That's where it begins. Second Timothy, again, 3.60, a verse that we should already memorize. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we can be equipped for godliness or good deeds. So how do I resolve my issue? Start training. Start getting into the Word of Christ. Now, I know you hear pastors say that all the time, but I'm talking about doing it with fear and trembling, okay? Uh, seriously look into the Word of God. Seriously, with awe and fear, look at, do, do some research. Why am, I, why am I responding this way to this, to this particular issue in my life? Why am I getting hooked into this habit? Why am I always, why do I always have some kind of a skepticism when I'm dealing with that person or with this person. Why do I get this streak of anger when I'm driving my car and somebody looks at me differently, looking at me bad? Why do I have that response? Why, why do I deal with that? You know, you don't need to go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Y you know, welcome to the human race. We're fallen people and we can be triggered by anything, anything at all. And so where do we go? We go to the Word of Christ. The Word of Christ is life. Not only life giving for the life now, but life everlasting. That's where we're going. We're not going to heaven with a lot of clutter in our head. With a lot of doubts, you know. And so we need to do it this way. We need, Paul says, do this seriously. Get into the Word of Christ. Do the research. Why am I fearful of that thing? Why am I, uh, why am I responding to that, that uh, particular situation the way I do? And it's eating me up in the inside. Why do I have a problem with lying so much? Why do I have this lust problem? I mean, name it. We're, we're, we're not living in a world that we don't know what's really going on. I mean, but, but, but we as Christians, sometimes what we do is we just set it aside and we just say, that, oh God, you know, I trust that... Uh, you love me and that you will show your grace and that you are going to be kind to me and all, all of that's true. God has no problem being gracious and kind. Amen? God has no problem being loving and gentle. God has none of that problems. The problem is sometimes we don't take God's love, grace, mercy, and goodness seriously enough to work out solutions to our problems with fear and trembling. And Paul admonishes all of us from the Word of God to say, hey, you got to have a discerning mind. You're going to have to do some work. 
to be able to come out of that dilemma or that spiritual hole that you're in. So that's the first thing a discerning mind focuses on, problem solving. Discerning mind, secondly, is focused on purpose seeking, okay, or seeking purpose. You know, I want to get fancy with this point, so forgive me, all right? I want to make them uniform so they're easy to understand and process. But the discerning mind secondly focuses on uh, purpose seeking. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Paul says, now work out your salvation, work out the solutions to your problems, work out your deliverance with fear and trembling, because if you don't do that, there's a lot at stake. God is working in you by the power of his spirit. He, is, he has begun a good work in the inside of you, giving you life. Abundant life eternal. He's, he's bringing his, his, his life into you. You know, you become a Christian, there's an exchange going on. There's a great exchange, right? You're exchanging your old life to the new life that Jesus promised you and I can have. And when we are indwelt with the Spirit, we are living in that new life. And now, and now we have to have resolutions to those issues because there's a lot at stake. You know, we're making liars out of what God is already trying to do in our life. It is God who is working in us to will and to act according to His good purpose. Now listen, God has only one purpose for you and I. Only one. And I know sometimes when we get to this this whole thing about the purposes of God and we get into a tangent and we're, we're talking about, oh, God has many purposes for my life. No, He has one purpose for every person and that is for each and every one of us to reflect the glory of God in the face of Christ. And that is for Him to be glorified in our life. That's a singular purpose. There's nothing else. Because, because of that one singular purpose, all other purposes fall in line. So God says, through the words of scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, that we are to discern that singular purpose. He intends to accomplish that purpose in each and every one of us. And that purpose, again, is to reflect His glory by conforming us to the image of His one and only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is called in Christianity the process of sanctification, being made to be an ambassador of Jesus to a lost and dying world. This is the preoccupation of the, of the Christian mind. We can discern not our own purpose, but the purpose of God to reflect His glory through our faith in Jesus. There's no greater purpose anyway than that for His children. That's why we're always thinking about ways to honor the name of the Lord in everything that we do in our life. We're always trying to discern whatever decisions we make in life, whatever words come out of our mouths, however we engage people in or outside uh, our own spheres. We're always thinking about how God can be honored and glorified because that's what God is doing in each and every person. Did you know that this morning? God, even right now, by His Holy Spirit, 
He's putting that in your heart and mind, and mine too. That's our preoccupation. We think about that all the time. That's why when we're, you know, like watching television, when you're watching something and it all of a sudden it veers into this territory, we're in, well, you know, this is not going to be glorifying to God if I feed my mind with this junk. And you, you flip the channel. Isn't that right? And you're in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden the conversation turned into a, uh, you know, an attack or a slight on another person, what do you do? You, you put a stop. I mean, time out on that. And why do you do it? Do you do it because you're holier than thou? Do you do it because you're more righteous than the other person? No, you do it because you have a discerning mind. You know it's going to offend God, so you stop. You simply stop. I simply stop. And we're called to do that. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 